Hi, this is M. Allen Cunningham. I'm an author, publisher, and teacher in Portland, Oregon, and you're in the Atelier. In the Atelier is a place for occasional thoughts on literature, writing, the life of the imagination. Come on in. I'm glad you're here. Today's installment, something a little different. I'm recording this in late March 2020 under the constraints of Governor Kate Brown's stay-at-home order here in Oregon. It's a time when people in many other states in the U.S. and territories around the world are adapting to similar orders in the interest of the public health. And as we have all heard over and over already, it's a time of uncertainty. This is also a time, I think, in which so many of us are seeking to share some consolation, some enduring comfort. So this month I've started a new podcast, a kind of sibling podcast to In the Atelier, as a way of sharing one of my own perennial consolations, a source of meditative clarity, contemplation, and inspiration, and that is the Journal of Henry David Thoreau. Thoreau's journal is enlivening and consoling in any time, and maybe especially so in a time like the one we're all adapting to right now. I believe so, anyway. I've gone back to the journal most mornings lately, and I can tell you it's done me good. I think that's because Thoreau knew how to stay at home. In fact, he made an art of it spending most of his days not in the wilds of the backcountry, but in the natural microcosm of his own backyard in Concord, Massachusetts. As he said, I have traveled a great deal in Concord. So have a listen to this little preview of the new podcast, and please consider subscribing. Enjoy, and take care. Welcome to Thoreau's Leaves, a podcast dedicated to excerpts from the journal of Henry David Thoreau. I'm your host, M. Allen Cunningham. Thoreau's journal comes down to us as a spiritual document unlike anything else in American letters. More than his timeless and masterful book Walden, or his clarion call of an essay, Walking, the journal was Thoreau's life work. He started it, age 20, in 1837, at the suggestion of Ralph Waldo Emerson, and continued it until right before his own death, writing almost daily in private notebooks over a period of 25 years, Thoreau left a record amounting to roughly two million words. In these vast pages of the journal, we find Thoreau making a writer of himself and setting down evidence of his enduring commitment to a nonconformist vision and to a life in nature. Everywhere in the journal we find Thoreau's exemplary presence of mind, coupled with his gift of recording in words that mind's perceptions. It's in this presence of mind that Thoreau the writer and Thoreau the human are one. But beyond all this, 
And more importantly, the thoughts and impressions recorded here on these daily leaves retain a power for us today, the power to uplift, to console, and to inspire. So join me as we journey through the days with one of our greatest American voices in Thoreau's Leaves. March 18th, 1853 I find it unexpectedly mild. It appears to be clearing up, but will be wet underfoot. Now, then, spring is beginning again in earnest after this short check. Is it not always thus? Is there not always an early promise of spring, something answering to the Indian summer, which succeeds the summer, so an Indian or false spring preceding the true spring, first false promise which merely excites our expectations to disappoint them, followed by a short return of winter? Yet all things appear to have made progress, even during these wintry days, for I cannot believe that they have thus instantaneously taken a start. I no sooner step out of the house than I hear the bluebirds in the air, and far and near, everywhere except in the woods, throughout the town you may hear them, the blue curls of their warblings, harbingers of serene and warm weather, little azure rills of melody trickling here and there from out the air, their short warble trilled in the air reminding of so many corkscrews assaulting and thawing the torpid mass of winter assisting the ice and snow to melt and the streams to flow. Everywhere also, all over the town, within an hour or two, have come out little black two-winged gnats with plumed or fuzzy shoulders. When I catch one in my hands, it looks like a bit of black silk raveling. They have suddenly come forth everywhere. I came forth expecting to hear new birds, and I am not disappointed. We know well what to count upon. Their coming is more sure than the arrival of the sailing and steaming packets. It grows more and more fair. Yesterday at this hour it was more raw and blustering than the past winter. Today it seems more mild and balmy than summer. I have rarely known a greater contrast. Today first I smelled the earth. March 21st, 1853 It is a genial and reassuring day. The mere warmth of the west wind amounts almost to balminess. The softness of the air mollifies our own dry and congealed substance. I sit down by a wall to see if I can muse again. We are affected like the earth and yield to the elemental tenderness. Winter breaks up within us. The frost is coming out of me, and I am heaved like the road. Accumulated masses of ice and snow dissolve, and thoughts like a freshet pour down unwonted channels. Roads lead elsewhither than to Carlisle and Sudbury. Our experience does not wear upon us. It is seen to be fabulous or symbolical, and the future is worth expecting. In all my walking, 
I have not reached the top of the earth yet. Thurl's Leaves is read by M. Allen Cunningham and produced by Atelier 26 Books, publisher of Funny Ass Thoreau, the first ever compendium of Thoreau's humor. Visit us at atelier26books.com. You can support this podcast at anchor.fm slash Thoreau's Leaves. Thank you for listening. So long for now.